Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And Larry, not only Man United won, but speaking of the Man United Supporters Club, we did have a victory yesterday in our charity match. We obviously beat Watford 5-4. Defending was optional, obviously. But um, we'll definitely get into that at the end of the podcast in terms of a review of the match. But speaking of your body, how is the body? Because I am in a world of hurt. I went down to do my shoelace um, this morning when I got up. I stayed down there for about three minutes. I just could not get up. My back was in an absolute state. I tell you what, um, if Matic needs managing through his game time or Ronaldo needs managing for his game time at 32 and 36 years of age, respectively, at 27, I am happy to announce my semi-retirement. Seriously, I am in some serious pain, mate. But I think that comes with artificial pitches. Is it young boys who have an artificial pitch? And obviously, we will verse them in a couple of days. So thankfully, at Old Trafford. But I tell you, artificial pitches are absolutely brutal. If you can play on grass, I, I rest assured, it, it's the right option. So you said a couple of weeks ago that Nemanja Matic, his legs had gone. Can you confirm at 27 the legs have gone? Oh, look, I think I cover more ground than Matic does. Um, in saying that, uh, it does take some time to recover. Well, there are some guys in the chat who obviously did play and uh, came down to support. So we can leave, um, obviously, the review of the charity game will come at the end and um, they, they can leave the review on your sort of running statistics. But um, Josh, evening lads, two cracking results for United yesterday. Rob, as well, evening lads, what a weekend. was from front to back, very good weekend. George, good evening, mate. Hope you're well. Um, Ahmad, obviously a big sponsor of the Man United Supporters Club um, game against Watford. Um, and it highlight of the game, some of the tackles Ahmad was throwing in highlights of the game besides the goals. Flim, hope you're keeping well, man. Um, George, first time in a while where we look comfortable. We'll, we'll definitely get into that and talk about what Ralph Rang spoke about before the game in regards to control. And that was the first thing that really came to mind um, in regards to control. It was comfortable. It looked like United back in the 90s or early 2000s. Evening off to Mike. Um, good to see you in here, mate. My mum here. Obviously met you, Larry, um, yesterday at the charity match. And um, George, obviously, the Supporters Club goalkeeper. Good evening, guys. Isn't it great to see 90 minutes where Fred doesn't do anything stupid? Well, besides that, not do anything stupid. He actually did some very good stuff. So, well, obviously, Fred, he was the main man, which we'll obviously talk about. And Ryan, even though not the best game, George forgot to win in the end. I thought it was a good game to watch, but obviously a lot, lot to dissect and sort of break down the, the two different halves. But talking about the charity game, of course. Oh, the charity game, of course. I should have read further on. But, um, well, 5-4, what a game to watch. It would have been an absolute belter for the neutral. And um, just last comment here, before we get into Man United, um, you certainly do cover more ground, Larry. That's before you start running to... It was a fantastic start to that game. Some of the um, cobwebs that were being um, blown out were um, pretty impressive. But we'll get into um, the charity match at the end. Obviously, more important things to discuss, Larry, in terms of it's the start of the Ralph Rangnick era. And it was a lot of talk before the game, and there was a fear of being sort of all talk and sort of no show sort of thing. But he backed up the words. And with only, as he said, 45, 50 minutes on a training session during the week... He got his message across and there was a difference. So we'll get in the team selection, but just your initial reaction to, to what we did see. Um, a buzzword that Ralph Ranick seems to be referring to is, is control. He seems to really enjoy saying the word control if you look at his press conferences and his interviews and anything to do with the media. And I think that's the best way to describe United's result uh, this morning, Tom. It's just while it wasn't the prettiest game of football, I thought you can see there's still plenty of room left for improvement, both with and without the ball. But you never felt Crystal Palace were really going to challenge us on goal. And I think that's the most pleasing aspect, considering our lack of clean sheets this season. And that's another important factor. It's a clean sheet um, and, and a well-deserved clean sheet. I thought there was only one opportunity, a clear-cut opportunity that Palace had. And it was the one that fell 
almost luckily for Jordan Ayu, which he shoots wide uh, at, at the near post there. But other than that, great controlled performance. And it was really impressive to see the work rate of the team. So if that's one training session, can I see what we look like in a month's time? You talk about that chance to AU, and I just want to gauge your opinion because I was thinking as the game sort of got on in the 60th, 70th minute and it sort of had the threat of being a nil-all draw, I was thinking what would the reaction be amongst the fan base? And I was thinking, well, hang on, I think we've seen enough that, okay, a draw wouldn't be good, we'll all be very frustrated, but I think a large section of the fan base would be able to sit back and say, okay, disappointing result, but it was a good performance. We saw something there that was positive. Now, let's say that Jordan AU chance goes in and Crystal Palace win 1-0. We're talking about control and we're talking about a positive performance. Are we going to say the same thing when exactly the same thing happens, but a Crystal player, uh, Crystal Palace player just shoots wide? Exactly the same performance and approach and control, but we're having a far different discussion. So I'm just thinking how important was the result in regards to, to build on it? Because at the moment, if it was a nil-all draw, it would have been a very flat type thing. Okay, good performance, but not quite good enough. But getting that win after that performance... Look, we're not, no one's saying title challenge sort of thing, but um, it does put a positive outlook on the next sort of couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I think for this United side, it's going to be all about building confidence, isn't it? I mean, after the run that we've had, I think under Oli, that there was a period before he got sacked. I think we had lost five of seven games, something like that. It was an awful record. So what Ralph Rannick wants to do now is keep be able to keep clean sheets. And what he said uh, in his first press conference was spot on, and we already saw the fruits of that uh, this morning. He said that we can't be going into games needing to score three goals like we did against Arsenal. You can't be conceding two goals and relying on Ronaldo to score three. Because if we can just score a goal and rely on our defence, then that will then set the platform for good performances and good form. And I thought that's what we did. We, we built from the back first. And I thought that was the most pleasing aspect. Mind you, Tom, we haven't even talked about what we did with the ball. Now, you can talk about it was a 1-0 result. And on paper, yes, it could have easily been a Crystal Palace victory. But you know what? I thought the amount of chances United created is also really exciting. Yeah, no, it was a really good performance. Um, we'll get into sort of the team, well, team selection was an unchanged team type thing, but sort of Ralph Rangie sort of thinking in regards to sort of that, what's, what do you want to call it, 4-3-3 or 4-2-2. I think it was a 4-3-3 in attack and then sort of maybe came back into a, a sort of square in midfield, which people call 4-2-2 type thing. Um, Tom from Sydney here saying this is what managing a team looks like. Take note, um, Ollie and Ollie and Loyalist. See, that's what I hate. I think so many people are using this as a stick to beat Ollie going to Solskjaer with, and I just enjoy the win. The people bringing this into Solskjaer, we had good performances under Solskjaer. I just think that the hate he's getting off the back of this one, I think. No, I'm not saying that's typical real hate towards Solskjaer there from Tom, but I just think, yeah, just enjoy it for what it is. I think there's an overreaction to um, how positive. Obviously, I loved what I saw. I was so excited by it, but I think also. It's one game. It's 1-0 against Crystal Palace. Manchester City or Liverpool are probably beat. Actually, Crystal Palace got a result at the Etihad, to be fair to them. But um, it's 1-0 against Crystal Palace. Um, Diego Delo's performance was good. That doesn't mean Juan Bissaka's career is over. Tellez had a very good performance. That doesn't mean Luke Shaw should be sold type thing. I, th I think there is a little bit of an overreaction due to the excitement. And it we do need to respect whether it be Solskjaer or the people who didn't play. Um, because, yeah, it's one game against Crystal Palace. I share the excitement, but um, I think you do need a bit of respect, and I hate that stuff about Solskjaer being thrown into it. But 4-2-2, um, Larry, or 4 triple 2 I'll get that extra two in there. Yeah. Um, did you read it as that, or was it a 4 three? There's a bit in my mind I thought it was really a 4-3-3, but I understand the wingers were kind of tucked in in defence, which um, made it a little bit hard for Palace to play through. 
It was a weird one. I actually thought when the game kicked off, I thought it was a 4-3-3. But as the game went on, I felt at some point it switched to a 4 2 because you had Bruno and Sancho almost playing as two tens. Uh, Sancho particularly was very central and Bruno occupied that left-hand channel. And then you had uh, Rashford and Ronaldo um, up front. So yeah, I think there's fluidity in that system, which I like. Um, and I think you know that's that's a credit to Ralph Ranick and Again, I've seen that happen under Solskjaer as well, where our formation has changed in the middle of game. So, again, not a stick to beat him with. But I, I like the adaptability, considering it is his first game in charge. I think the safe option would be, actually, I want to play a certain way, I want to set up a certain way, and let the boys go out and do it. So, the fact that there's that tactical fluidity, not only game to game, but within a game, I think that's fantastic. And, look, I think we will really see the, we'll only really see the benefits of the manager maybe in a month's time, Tom, when he's been able to implement his structure both off the ball and on the ball. But it's promising signs. Well, I want to get into well, – they pretty much dominated the discussion in regards to McFred and midfield and especially Fred. But I just want this point up here from Ahmad saying the match speaks more about the players than it does about um, Ralph. Let's remember it's the same squad Ollie had and as Roy Keane famously said, Levitts don't change their spots. And I just want your approach on what impact in terms of – do you think? and obviously there was a visible impact. We saw the difference. However, there wasn't a huge difference for me in approach. I think it was 10 yards higher up the pitch. And when you are 10 yards higher up the pitch – you're naturally closer to the ball, which is easy to close down. If you're sitting back in a little bit of a low block type thing, instead of having to close 20 yards, that's a bit of an effort. You think, I'm not really going to close that down. But if you're five yards away, we well, can go close that ball down. So I just think there was a, a starting position, which was much higher, which allowed us to close down. But I think also, which again, I come back to player responsibility. I just think the players played well. I just think passes were sticking. There was intent. They were running. Um, sometimes we question the running of these players, but that's not down to the manager. That's simply effort. I think the effort was there. Um, Parson was controlling, was there. Fred was controlling the ball. Scott McTominay was controlling the ball. Um, both fullbacks, you could argue they're our best, our better football in fullbacks over Juan Bissaka and um, Luke Shaw. So when we're going forward, we had that, that outlet out wide. And I just think we just played better as a team. Individually, we just played better. But um, there's no doubt in that Ralph obviously had an impact. He could visibly see there was a difference. But um, mm. just your thoughts on you almost weigh up a percentage in regards to how much was Ralph, how much was the players? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think when there's a win or when there's a loss, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. I can I never have believed in you can give a manager 100% credit for a result because if there's not 11 players on the pitch executing his plan, he's not getting any praise. Likewise, if the players are not playing well, the manager's not the one on the pitch. So the va- the balance is always somewhere in the middle. I think in this case with United, you can give maybe more credit to the manager and that's only perhaps because you can see clearly there's a new system compared to what we were deploying only three days ago against Arsenal, for example. Cristiano Ronaldo had a phenomenal work rate today, can I say. I thought he was really pressing from the front. There were times where he did dip off and I think they'll find a way to manage that because again I don't want my 36 year old striker who is so lethal in front of goal using his energy for 90 minutes pressing from the front but you know I think all in all the system complemented our players and I think that's another key factor can I say I think that's Harry Maguire's best game in a solid while and I think this system actually there was a concern around maybe his lack of pace will get exposed I actually go the other way I think because we're pressing from the front it will only be on occasion where he'll actually need a sprint back. And even if that happens, you'd think between the two centre-halves, he'll be the one who actually attacks the ball. And once Rafael Varane is fit, he'll be the one tucking using his pace. So I think it will complement the Englishman. 
It's like you're listening to me a couple of weeks ago. Exactly what I said. I understand the concerns with the space in in behind Harry Maguire, but if they are only playing one up front, which this time was um, Christian Benteke, if Maguire, and it was a little bit different, this one Lindelof was actually a little bit more advanced, but if Maguire's a little bit more advanced and Varane is sort of reading the game from behind, it does... um. So it does sort of complement their styles. And Varane has spoken about Harry Maguire com- um, complementing his style. But um, Matt here saying sort of yeah, where's the effort towards the end on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think that's the exciting thing with Ralph Rangie going upstairs now or hopefully going upstairs and hopefully having influence. Well, he'll bring he'll be bringing in the right characters, the right people on the right contracts type thing. He's spoken about contracts and motivation. So regardless of the manager, yeah, we'll, we'll have leopards who will change their spots kind of thing. But um, on Fred McTominay, last bit on the team selection type thing. It was kind of expected that they were going to play, maybe through fitness. Um, obviously, that they played well against Arsenal in terms of got the job done. Um, they're fit. A new manager coming in probably doesn't want to change too much, wants to keep sort of some familiarity amongst the team. Ralph Rang, Fred's got so much praise. and He's going to be my man on match. I'm not going to hide from that. I thought he's pretty much fantastic. I thought it was Fred's best performance in a while. And McTominay got so much hate. Now, obviously, I'm a big fan of McTominay, so feel free to call me up or people in the live chat call me up if I'm showing bias. But And I'm not... McTominay doesn't get anywhere near my three two ones or anything, but I thought McTominay was solid. And I think you look at what Ralph Rangnick said, now, now this might be just good management by Ralph Rangnick, but he can't mention Fred without mentioning McTominay. And this goes into the term that we always use, McFred type thing. But any sort of praise he gave Fred, he next sentence was talking about Scott McTominay saying he was just as important. And I think it was just an old school midfield partnership that just worked. Now, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we've all, always criticised that well, it wasn't working, it wasn't working. But Ralph Rangnick, his first game in charge, McFred straight in the middle, and he got the best out of them. And not through, I don't think, any huge instructional change. Um, maybe just those the different slight twist in system um, suited them. Yeah, for sure. And I think the reason he... And I, I, I kind of like what Rangnick did. I like what the German did in terms of how he answered the question. He said in his post-match press conference, the way Fred and McTominay played off the ball was perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, I find that really interesting from a manager. I think if you were going to, again, I hate to compare, and this isn't a comparison really to say, you know, one's better than the other. But I think if that was only in the press conference, he would say Fred and McTominay played well. Whereas in this press conference, you're seeing with the German, everything they did off the ball was good. And in fact, he actually called out the fact that both of them had played flat passes during the match, which he was not happy with. And he, what, and do you, what do you think of that? I don't want to interrupt you there. And I, I like what he's yeah. done. However, my concern is, let's say we... In two weeks, we've won a few games. We're playing forward passes. We're attacking. And there's a game, let's say we lose, I don't know, Brighton. Someone plays a square pass. Fred McTominay plays a square pass and it gets intercepted and we, we don't win the game. But that, that moment sticks out. Square passes happen. They're, they're going to happen. Barcelona, a prime ranking side, are going to play a square pass. That's sometimes it's the only option. But if we get in this good mood and suddenly a result goes against us and the manager has spoken openly, which I like, but I just find it interesting, he's spoken openly about not doing it, where in reality it happens 100 times a game, it's going to stick out in fans' mind and they want to say, what's McTominay playing a square pass for? What's Fred playing a square pass for? But in reality, it always happens. But just the, it's a weird one where the manager has openly spoken about it, which I like and I agree. But um, I just think it's going to be used as a stick to beat some players with when results don't go our way. No, I don't think so. I, I take your point, but I think in this occasion he he's critical because they played the flat pass when a forward ball was on, and I, you know, obviously he's a very intelligent man, Ralph Rangnick. He'll understand that. Yes, if you've got your forward players all blocked off or the passing lane is blocked off, of course you're going to go for the safer pass. You got to keep possession um, as opposed to forcing a pass where it's fifty fifty. 
So I think that, you know, Ralph Rannick will understand that. But I, I think what he's doing there is, and it's probably something that I've almost been critical of. If you actually think back to Sir Alex Ferguson, Tom, he did call out player performances at times. And it wasn't something that he did in a nasty way, not, not narcissistic, the way that uh, Mourinho would do, would say Luke Shaw as an example, where he'd say it's my mind and his body sort of thing. This is a, they played well. I like what they did, but this is an area where they could improve. So I like that. That leaves a room for improvement and it challenges the players to be better, not to think we got a one-year result against Crystal Palace. Everything's rosy. This is saying we got to continue to improve. So I, I really liked it. I really liked it by Ranić. Yeah, no, look, I've, I've questioned some of the things he has said in the media, but in saying that I loved everything he said, I've just, it's, we've never heard this type of talk before. So I'm just sort of almost just getting used to it and just sort of question one or two things, but I've absolutely loved what he's done sort of on and off the pitch so far. Um, I'll tell you, what, it, you know what it does show? Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Tom, but you know what it does show? It shows he doesn't fear the players. And I think that that's yeah. a really crucial point. Yeah, it was interesting to see. And look, it's one game and it's a positive feeling. So obviously it's all going to be all smiles. But at the moment, they looked like there was some type of relationship slash chemistry slash respect between Rangik and Ronaldo, which is always going to be a discussion point. So that was obviously very good to see. But Richard here was worth getting up to watch the game, going to next to no sleep. Yeah, it does make a difference when you win those Monday morning games. Obviously, as an Australian fan, uh, 1 o'clock Monday morning can be tricky. But um, when you win, um, all worth it. Now, before we get into the 3-2-1s, Larry, just tactically, just because that is the buzzword when Solskjaer was sacked and Rangnick came in, it was all, all about tactics. Very basic. Now, obviously, there was a very complex, sort of complex tw- um, twist to the system and obviously had an in-depth in sort of discussion with the players and obviously something far above our pay grade in which, which he changed. In my opinion, from a basic view... It's what I said earlier. We're just 10 yards higher up the pitch. Now, obviously, there was a change in shape type thing, but that being 10 yards higher enabled us to be closer to the ball when Crystal Palace were playing out from the back and a little bit more just likelihood that if I'm 20 metres back from the fullback and he gets the ball and think, well, I might not go there. That's 20 metres of pointless running because when I get there, he's just going to pass the ball. But if I'm five yards away, well, I can go close that ball straight straight away. So w- w- did you see any huge tactical um change in regards to that what was more impressive for you was it off the ball stuff or on the ball stuff tactically um, I'm actually going to say off the ball I like the way that United were pressing from the front and because what it does show is we're actually trying to take control of the football game uh, and now I think on the, naturally through Ralph Rangnick I think that word will almost be something that does pop up on our content regularly but that's because what, what I like here is United weren't running much under Solskjaer and I think that that's clear the statistics will tell you that I think we were something like, uh, I think it was 17th or 18th. So we're talking about in the bottom five clubs in the Premier League in terms of distance covered. So I think that what you will see now is it, it, we will actually get the ball more. I think United will look to play on the front foot more, which is really promising. But not just that, I think it actually it complements our players. If I talk about the limitations of Scott McTominay and Fred, it's actually they struggle when the play's a bit slower. I think by playing at this higher intensity, it actually complements those two players because they don't they don't have to sit there and think and dwell on the ball. They can actually just play a forward pass. And I think that will then in turn create more opportunities for the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo. So no, I thought what we did off the ball was good because I think what you'll see over the coming weeks is that will only continue to improve. And what else, I guess I'm keen to see in terms of how does that result in terms of goals? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Georgie is saying, I like how he put more emphasis on cutting off the passing lanes rather than just mindlessly pressing players. I think, aka Bruno, and creating jewels. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the intercept and um, interception statistics. I think Taylor's had the most intercepts, but that comes from sort of making the pass tricky for um, Crystal Palace. But we'll go on to three, two, ones, Larry, and um, 
it's an interesting one because obviously match winner Fred. Uh, first things first with the three two ones. Thank God we don't have to discuss David De Gea. It's three two ones. I don't think he's going to be in this discussion. Feel free to put him in there if so. But um, can't remember anything he did. Didn't play bad, but wasn't involved. So is Fred three two one? Is he three points surely? Because while I thought McTominay was solid, if you was to pick one in midfield, it was by far Fred. And obviously with the match winning goal. But um, anyone else stand out? But I'm thinking surely Fred, and that's that's hard. That's weird coming from me, but I don't think there's a other. I don't think it's a close second. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Fred's the obvious choice. Um, and can we just talk about the goal? Seriously, look, I think I think Fred is as shocked as anyone that he's pulled that off. There's not a hope. I think he's just thrown his foot at it. He's like, all right, well, look, I'll shoot. I'm here. And I think he, he couldn't believe it. But he did three different celebrations for the one goal. It, well, it's well, the, the, the celebration. But but on the goal, that's what I talk about when Fred gets the ball, whether it be in a shooting position or whether it be sort of on halfway, he's got that. He, he's got very good technique. He should be able to do that. He's got that in his locker. He's actually got beautiful technique when you watch him. Just sometimes it doesn't come off, and, or a lot of the times it doesn't come off, and you just you're left there, sort of scratching your head, sort of thinking, "What is with this?" But yeah, when you do see that, you think more of that, please, Fred. Uh, whether Rangnick has gone to him and just sort of showed him his Brazil passport just to remind him, or given him a Brazil flag or something before the match just to remind him. But um, what what do you make of that in terms of Fred? Is, is it a new lease of life? Like obviously everyone gets a clean slate under the new manager. Obviously even players who are completely on the ad will be very interested to see the young boys line up. But um. We're talking about which players will suit Rangi, which players won't suit him. Fred is the one a lot of people are suggesting will suit him. And look, on first first evidence, um, being in the match display, it's hard to argue. Tell you what, there are 21 people watching this video. If all of you liked Fred's goal, which you did, you should be liking the video. Tell you what, what, what I did like um, about Fred, and this is where I'm actually going to give some credit to Michael Carrick. Carrick's the one who actually started playing Fred further forward. I think what we've seen is... He's been playing like a, a defensive midfielder or a, what I like to refer to as a sixth. I think now he's playing more like an eight, where he's not being asked to almost come between the two center halves. I think he's being told to play further up the pitch. McTominay seems to have taken that spot of occupying the deeper slot. And I think that's that's been the true benefit. I think we've seen Fred's level of performance has gone up actually under Carrick. If we think back to the Villarreal performance and at Chelsea and I think if if you think of the Chelsea game, he almost attempted the same thing. If that goes in, I think we're talking about Fred, you know, then have saying, he's got, yeah, seriously. So that's the thing. So credit goes to Carrick because he's actually identified that actually if you play to Fred's strengths, which is get the ball to his feet as opposed to letting him be back to goal, you'll limit the amount of errors he produces. And not only that, you're playing to his strengths. So credit starts there. But in saying that, um, the system that Renick will look to deploy, of course, it benefits Fred. He's the most energetic player we have on the pitch. So, yeah, for sure. Keen to see how Fred goes. I, I don't think he, we're going to be talking about him being one of the best midfielders in Europe or anything like that. But is he effective part of United squad? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll go into everyone else's 3-2-1s here in the comments before we touch on our 2 and our 1. But obviously, Fred for 3 points. And I can see all the comments here. Everyone has Fred for 3 as well. But um, George saying 3 for Fred, Tellez for 2, and Lindelof for 1. Yeah, I thought, I thought Lindelof was solid. Um, I thought Maguire was solid, but if I was to choose one, Probably Lindelof, I think, just a little bit more involved. Um, Elliot saying Fred, three, Delo two. Yeah, Delo was a standout for me. And Lindelof, one. George going three for Fred, two for Delo, one for Tellez. Ryan, three, Delo and – or Fred, Delo and Lindelof. Amad Green, Fred, Delo, Lindelof. Yeah, Lindelof. I think he's a shout. I mean, he might be a bit harsh. I, I probably won't give him any points, but he's definitely in with a shout. Fred won the game, Delo and Tellez. For me, I'm looking at the fullbacks just like Josh there. Um, Wes says Fred, Delo, and Lindelof. 
and Elliot get on the likes. I'd appreciate the support, um, Elliot. Yeah, if you haven't liked the video, please do. And feel free to share it with any Reds um, you think might enjoy the content. But on two points and one point there, Larry, I can't split it between the fullbacks. So I looked at the statistics and like going by the numbers, Tellez actually had a bit. Then you don't have a better game by the numbers. But if you go and buy the numbers, Tellez had a better game than Diego Delo. But I'll probably offer Diego Delo. I just think he off the back of the um, did we play Arsenal off the back of the Arsenal performance, mm. um, kicked on and did, did sort of a very good display and shows the difference. I think on both sides, Luke Shaw defensively are probably a little bit more solid than Tellez, but Tellez going forward is a far better footballer. Exactly the same case on the right-hand side. Now, at home against Crystal Palace is where you do want those sort of attacking fullbacks who get on the ball. My concern, which I alluded to at the start of the podcast, is this overreaction, whether it be about Ralph Rangnick or, let's say, Diogo Delot right back. I just think everyone's saying, we're all on the Delot hype train at the moment, saying, okay, here's a future, get rid of Wan-Bissaka. I'm thinking, hang on. In these two games, we haven't seen Delot defend. Six weeks ago, we were saying Delot's the worst defender at the club type thing. When someone starts running at him, um, it might change our mind. So I don't want everyone to sort of say, okay, one Bissaka's finished. I fully praise and get excited about Diogo Delo's performance. I completely agree. But um, we've seen one half of his game so far since he's come into the team. When he defends, the evidence we have um, leaves a lot to be desired. But um, there's nothing negative at the moment to say about Diogo Delo. I thought he's uh, if Fred doesn't score the winner, Delo's made a match for me possibly. Yeah, Diogo Delo did play well. I think you're being a bit harsh on him, though. I thought against Arsenal, he definitely did get run out, and I thought he had to defend crucially in some situations. But if I look at today, um, Zaha definitely tried to isolate him. It's no doubt. Uh, there was one There was one time where he did get the better of him. But in saying that, I've seen one Basaka got him the better of by Zaha before. Zaha's a tricky player. He's pacey, and he knows how to dribble at people. So, you know, sometimes that happens. But no, I thought... Delo, I've got to be honest, Tom, I thought Delo was finished at United. I, I was on here, I've been on here saying I don't think he's a United caliber player. I thought maybe, yeah, uh, yes, he was good at AC Milan. I just thought maybe that's because it's a slower league. Maybe it benefited him, allowed him more time to get on the ball because he's definitely got technical ability. But I look at what he did with the ball today, some of the crosses he's put in, and I look at the defensive work rate. Now, look, obviously, Wambasaka is a much better one-on-one defender. But you know what? You, you look at the – with Delo, it's so interesting, actually, that Wambasaka, I actually think he puts himself in really poor positions, but actually he makes up for it through his pace and he's obviously got a great instinct for tackling. With Diogo Delo, I actually think he's more intelligent in the sense of he puts himself in the better positions, but when he's one-on-one, he gets tangled up and he gets beaten. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. I think at the moment, when you look at Wambasaka's form, maybe Diogo Delo's put himself as first choice, but in saying that, I think it just takes one bad performance and we're having a different discussion. Yeah, not that, well, I just remember Champions League. We're obviously going to preview the next Champions League game um, tomorrow. We'll, t- we'll touch on a little bit here, but I remember he came in for Wan-Bissaka against Villarreal. Villarreal yeah, an yeah. absolute nightmare. And we'll say, get rid of him. He can't defend. And then six weeks later, he's our new right back. And look, I, I loved his performance and I hope to see him kick on. I, I do like Delo, but um, obviously still do have concerns. But I assume after that chat and sort of the positivity, you're backing him for the two points? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Portuguese was awesome. For one point then, for me, it would go to the other side because I thought Tellez was just as involved. Um, I like Tellez. I really do. Look, I've called it for a while, and I can't hide away. Luke Shaw was the left back in, best left back in Europe last season, hands down, fully deserving. Absolutely was he, though? He last season. Oh. Was he? Because if you actually look at – if I look at uh, Luke Shaw's delivery in terms of as an attacking outlet, it's not elite. He, he doesn't put in, you know, amazing crosses that – are really threatening to the defence or anything like if, that. If the strikers are on the end of them, if the, if the strikers on the end of the cross, suddenly it is um, 
a good cross type thing. And, and I agree, Tellez obviously has a far better delivery. Luke Shaw doesn't look dangerous in that area, but a lot mm-hmm. of it is down to was it well defended? Well, suddenly it's not an assist, or if the striker puts it over, was well, a created chance, not an assist type thing. So, yeah, well, maybe it is a bit of a shout. Obviously, other fans or other clubs probably weren't saying Luke Shaw was the best left back in Europe, but look in the Euros, he was the best left back type thing. So he he obviously had a very good season last year, and full praise for that. However, I've always said, even throughout that period, I'd rather Alex Tellez in the team. I just think Tellez is a better footballer, and the more better footballers you have on the pitch, um, the better off you're going to be. So I do like Tellez in there. Now he's His not perfect. kick was a delta too, by the way. He's unlike he, he hits the post at the end. Great technique, and that's a hard, that's a difficult one. The fact that he's going for the far post that close, I thought that that's that's skillful. Yeah, no, well, yeah, he's definitely well, he's obviously against Villarreal. We're talking about Delo and Villarreal, but he obviously scored that cracker against Villarreal earlier in the Champions League season. So I think we'll sit on there in terms of um, Fred for three points, Diego Delo for two points, and Alex Tellez for one. And George all over the stats here, um, reminding us or pointing out um, this has to be the first time we're giving out three two ones to Portuguese speakers, and neither was Ronaldo or Bruno. Ronaldo, do you want to talk about him? I thought. As you say, he was good in the press, not good in the press, but sort of involved in the press. You thought, okay, yeah, he's getting through work and had a good game, but here we are at home at Crystal Palace. And I don't know, is it a good thing we're not talking about Ronaldo? Is, is that good to be sort of heaping praise on other players? Or was Ronaldo a little bit quiet by his, obviously by his standards type thing, but was there anything you want to read into the Ronaldo performance? I thought he actually played quite quite well, to be honest. Yeah, so do I. Look, at the end of the day, there's two there's two sides to a game of football. And I thought Crystal Palace sat deep. It wasn't the game for Ronaldo. It was always going to be difficult to score. And actually, looking at if you look at the balance of play, it almost looked like a goal was going to come from midfield because they're always going to want to occupy the, the, the attacking options and sit deep. On. Of course, when you're a defender, the first person you're looking at is Cristiano Ronaldo. This is the sort of game where actually it might be difficult for him to score, but you'd hope that his presence actually creates space for someone else. Now, if you told me before the game that Fred was the one that's going to score the winner with an absolute bang of the right foot, I'm going to say to you, look, I think you got rocks in your head. In saying that, it's happened to come off that way. But no, I agree with you. I thought Ronaldo was active. He was good. And in the small opportunities he had, just with, when he's in possession, Tom, I think people should really focus on what he does. He doesn't lose the ball. He's brilliant. If you compare it to, say, a Marcus Rashford, who was woeful today. Um, I yeah, think we, every, we haven't even touched on Rashford there. We haven't. Um, but Ronaldo in tight spaces, he just keeps the ball so intelligent. Well, Ekel here saying, um, Tell has certainly been missing in this United team, mustn't be dropped. Now, I think keeps his spot for now. I'll be interested. I, don't, I think Luke Shaw's injury was a concussion, so I'll be interested in how they treat that in regards to his fitness and if he comes straight back into the team type thing. But um, Prem here saying, even lads, hope everyone is buzzing after that win. Well, I'm sure 99% of the fan base, so I'm sure there's one or two nuts out there who will want to pick negatives out of it. But um, Rob here saying, Larry, um, liking the look of your kit. And speaking of kits, that's obviously talking about Man United game. Obviously, Rob was there yesterday. And Larry, yesterday, we all did our best to fit into our Man United kits for our charity game against uh, Watford. And obviously, we did run out four, uh, no, was it four, three? No, five, four winners. Um, as I say, defending was um, a little bit scarce at times, but we went 1-0 down quite early and we're thinking, oh, my God, here we go. But um, we got back into the game and um, obviously a few guys in the live chat obviously were there supporting and playing, both playing as well, which was good to see. Um, we talked about it at the start of the podcast, had the body pull up, obviously in a world of hurt. But um, thoughts on the day before we get into the performance, thoughts on the day in general? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, Watford were... Very capable opposition as well. Um, man, there, was a case for the, there was a case for Watford actually may almost be the better team, team, I thought. I yeah, if you look at the overall in the game, I thought they controlled the game better. Uh, mm-hmm. Ralph Rangnick would have been proud of what Watford did. 
Um, but at the end of the day, goals are what count. And I think that's what that's what we showed in true United fashion. Like I say, AstroTurf is so bad. God. Tom, seriously, the next game we play, I beg of you, get us on grass. I can't, my hamstrings can't take it, mate. The last time we played on the grass, oh, that was against Manchester City, and that sort of resembled more of a cow paddock than a football field. So there's a balancing act on sort of grass pitches you can find around Sydney. But um, what's good, does it make you feel anything? Like, because here we are, we're on this podcast, we criticise the players every single week. We say, he should have done this, he should have done that. We criticise this touch or, oh, he's got to do better from that area. When you play, this is the closest, obviously, any of us are obviously going to get to playing for Manchester United. We're representing the official supporters club. We put the shirt on and we're playing. Does it put a perspective when we criticise these players when we find ourselves on the pitch and we're making these mistakes that just are, you wouldn't even see on the TV type thing? Does it put in perspective, are we too harsh on the players at times or because they're paid a lot of money, they deserve it? Or Because I, I watch and I think, how can I criticise that player if I, I've just done 10 times worse and something I, I wouldn't be able to perform? Like, it, it just sometimes puts me in a weird spot where I sort of start to question myself. No, I think... You know, at the with with all due respect, Tom, and I gotta say, truthfully, you are one of the more technically gifted players I have seen with my own eyes in person. But in saying that, when you play for Manchester United, I'm, look, there's just a level of responsibility that comes with that shirt. I think you can always, and at least on this on this podcast, we'll always, you know, we'll grant a player a bad game here or there. Even we'll allow them a, a patch of bad form. I think when a patch of form is going on for three months, however. That's when it's like, come on, you know, like there's a level that you expect. I'll tell you what, and this is the key thing. I always wondered when I was younger, I used to watch the likes of, um, I, I can, I can't, I can't think of a, a key name that's popping into my head, but you would watch teams in the lower, in, in the lower, the lower sides in the premier league. You'd look at them on an occasion. Um, I, I actually, there's one for QPR. Um, I can't remember how to say his name. Um, Tavart or something like that. Having a mind blank. Anyway, he, he oh, was the, the winner for yeah, Moroccan. No, is it Moroccan? Adele Tarat. Yeah, Tarat. Yeah, he, 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 was a he was a player. Absolutely brilliant, right? Why did a top club never sign him? I'll tell you why. Because he's not he's not consistent. The difference between the players who play for the likes of Manchester United and Real Madrid and Barcelona, uh, they have a level of consistency to their game. Whereas with these sorts of players, they can be brilliant one out of 10 games or one out of 15 games. And that's why they're battling relegation or they're finishing 10th. The Premier League is looking at Who's the most consistent over a 38-game period? And that's the key. Um, so, yes, I think, you know, yes, it, it's difficult, it's harsh, but it's also why you're paid more than all the players in the in the lower end of the of the league, more than the players in the championship. There's just a level of responsibility that comes with wearing the shirt. Yeah, well, two comments. You brought one up. Matt also saying, Tom, there's a reason why we played in front of 40 people and they played in front of 75,000 people or 40,000 people. And Josh yeah, also saying, we play twice a year. Um, they train twice a day, which does prove the difference. And um, George in his own 3 2 ones, obviously one of our goalkeepers. Um, he's given, obviously, one of our, our strikers, Fergal, scored a hat trick, match winning hat trick. Um, Abella, the other goalkeeper, Raphael, saved a penalty. I think all two one up at the time, or it was two two or something. He saved a crucial penalty, so it was obviously crucial. And Adrian, one of the listeners from the podcast, um, with a good goal, opened our scoring. Can we talk about uh, Can we talk about Marcus Rashford for a little bit? Because um, you're talking of he, he, he like, could have fit right in in our game. I think in some of the decisions he was making. Honestly, he looks well off the pace. I don't know what's going on. I thought when he first came back from injury, he looked sharp, and he was scoring goals, and he just looks like he's sort of dipped back off. He, he, the way he's playing at the moment is rem, it rem, it's reminiscent of someone who hasn't played for months. 
So I don't know. What do you think it is with Marcus Rashford? Do you think it's an ability thing? Do you think it's a confidence thing, a form thing, all of the above? What do you make of it? And would you be pulling him out for the game against Young Boys, or do you actually think it's an opportunity for him to play 90 minutes? Well, the, the Young Boys one is interesting. In how do you approach that? Do people need minutes, or does he want to experiment, or does he want to get players familiar with each other? We'll obviously touch on that tomorrow. I don't want to go sort of overreact with Marcus Rashford. Obviously, you just look at his capable of absolute brilliance. He could become a Man United legend, and right, sorry, rightly so. However, I do look at it, and I wouldn't say ability. Like he's obviously got all the ability in the world. He can go past players and put it in the top corner. He's got fantastic skill. So the ability is in question. I just think overall as a player, I just think he is what he a little bit is. I think with Paul Pogba, we say, well, will he reach that height? Well, maybe he's just going to be what he is. Great player, capable of moments, but ultimately over a season inconsistent I think Marcus Rashford will be this player who can go six months and absolutely be the best player in the league the next three months will just be oh is he all that type thing and obviously that that six months might be good enough to be fantastic but um I just think I made the point I think the one player um I made this point last week when Ralph Rangit came in I said the one player in my opinion who might struggle in this team is Marcus Rashford I just think from an intelligence point of view and here I am again some of the decisions I was making yesterday were the furthest thing from intelligent. However, I do look at Marcus Rashford and just think, I, I don't understand some of the decisions he makes on the field. And Ralph Rangnick will need, he always talks about training the brain and sort of using Can you give me head. an example there? So you're saying like, just for our viewers, I think it's really good to analyze it. So when you're saying Marcus Rashford, some of the decisions he makes are poor. So like, can you, can you give it an example that you know? I think he plays, I don't, I don't want to say selfish. I don't want to say, oh, he hogs the ball, but he gets himself into positions where he, he's only, he's only outlet is himself. He doesn't get himself in a position when he's going to receive the ball. He receives the ball where his first thing in mind is, I'm going to go past this defender. Where someone else, a ball player who gets on the ball, and that's his style of play, fair play, but that's his strength. However, I think in the way Ralph Rangie can, so a lot of managers now, and especially in teamwork, you need to move the ball. The ball moves quicker than players. You need to get yourself in a position where you give yourself two or three options. Okay, I can go past the player, but I can see this player. If I'm just receiving the ball just this way, well, that's my one option. Okay, I, I think he runs down blind alleys. I think he's pressing now. It'll be interesting how Ralph Rangi um, improves the pressing, but I think Marcus Rashford's body position when he closes someone down just opens a passing lane for the fullback. And I just think, God, it, it, it's simple. Let's say he's on the left-hand side. He will close the centre-back to force him to the right-back. I just think, well, no, you should be at the right-back. Curve your run from that right-back to force him back towards the goalkeeper or the other centre-back because Ralph Rangi has spoken about one of the triggers for the press being a square pass between the two centre-backs. But Marcus, which is very often the case across most teams, when they start passing the ball to each other, that's your cue to go. However, what Marcus Rashford does, and this is obviously before the ranking era, but I also saw it in this one, was he closes in between the centre-backs and forces the play to the fullback. I just think that that almost sort of goes against what Ralph Rangnick wants. So it'll be interesting how he um, sort of develops. So you have to give him a clean slate because um, he's obviously been under a few coaches now and no real consistency in his development in regards to that coaching. So he, he might turn out to be brilliant. And I, I really hope so because I do love Marcus Rashford. I just, I see, I see huge flaws compared to let's okay. Anthony Martial. I know he's 10 times more frustrating, but I see, I see something. There. I see intelligence. I see ability on the ball. I see composure where Marcus Rashford is a hundred mile an hour all the time for me. And I just think mm. at the elite level, you need to be able to slow it down and think about the sort of the wider picture around you. And he's he's seven years in. I, mean, I know I know that's crazy to talk about. I think this is his seventh, sixth or seventh year in top flight football for Marcus Rashford. So you know he's not well in age. Yes, he's twenty four years of age, but in terms of experience, he's not he's not short of a game. Um, 
did you make anything of uh, Anthony Alenga being on the bench, obviously being brought on? And Anthony Martial had his own corporate suite at Old Trafford for his birthday. Do you think he's just been given the day off, told to eat some frog legs? Or what did you make of that one? Because I thought Anthony Alenga, when he did come on, very energetic, yeah, the, very direct. The, the Martial one, who knows? Um, yeah, I assume an injury, but yeah, who knows? But the Anthony Alenga one, the one report, I think we're all waiting for a training ground report from this first day with Ralph Rangnick. And there was nothing coming out. The one thing that did come out, and again, is this PR or is it true, was that he was quite impressed with Anthony Langer. And obviously he's on the bench and came on. So you assume there was something in that, that Anthony Langer did impress Ralph Rangnick and come off the bench, you, you assume he would be in, in line for a start against young boys. And I think I, would, I don't want to say the game changed when he came on for Marcus Rashford, but ultimately ultimately he did come on and um, he was involved, not involved, but he's on the field when we did score. So you can say it was the right decision to take Marcus Rashford off. And Anthony Langer, every time I'm not sold on him as a player, but every time he comes on, Seriously? he makes an impact. He's, he's, quick, about, he's technical. He scores you know, goals. No, I know. I know it sounds stupid, but he, he he has it all. He has all those attributes. But when I see him play, I just I, I see a player bursting onto the scene. I see him having the attributes to come on and have that fantastic breakout year. But then ultimately, if that pace isn't there, it might fizzle out. Type thing. And I, I hope not. He might develop um, into a fantastic. He scored player. a lot of goals in the juniors. Yeah. Not quite Mason Greenwood levels, but. A lot of goals. I, I think I think it might might be hard done by in terms of what I saw Marcus Rashford come onto the scene and do. What I've seen Mason Greenwood do in the 16s and 18s, I haven't seen that from a Langer type thing yet. And, Langer's and, got a better goal record than Marcus Rashford at the yeah. same levels. Yeah, you know. Oh look, I absolutely love what he's done since he's come in, and I'd love to see him starting in young boys. I think he's deserving, especially over Marcus Rashford at the moment. But um, it's an interesting one. We'll obviously touch on young boys. It's a Thursday morning game, um, Sydney Times. So obviously Wednesday night UK. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do a preview of the young boys and look, no idea what that team selection will be. Larry, off the top of your head, um, is it a, and obviously we'll dissect it tomorrow, we'll go into depth, but off the top of your head, a quick answer is it a complete rotation or does he want to sort of play a few players and sort of get, get them familiar with each other? He'll want to embed his system. And I think that's the crucial point. So, what I think you'll see is a balance between, I don't think, trust me, Cristiano Ronaldo is not starting. Uh, I think you'll see Tony Martial get a start. I think you, you'll see Donny van der Beek get a start. Dare I say it, Tom, don't get excited. I think Juan Mata might play. Um, I think you, you will start to see those. Sorts of, I think Eric Bailly will get a start. So you'll see players who are you know definitely mainstays of the squad. Um, in saying that, do I expect mass rotation? No, I think you will see Tellez and Delo most likely. Maybe maybe one beside. Do we know what's happening with Luke Shaw? I know there were some concussion concerns, but... We just haven't really seen anything, have we? Um, we haven't heard anything. He's clearly being monitored. I think it's a little bit of a concern, to be honest. United seem to be a little bit quiet on the Luke Shaw front. Um, but if he's fit, maybe he does come in. Maybe Tom Heaton gets a game. Who knows? Dean Henderson. Gosh, we've almost forgotten. Yeah, I, I think Dean people. Henderson will have to play. Um, get him in the yeah. shop window. You assume he's often well, not to Newcastle, but you assume they will look to offload him. So, um, yeah, I think he's almost. I think Donny Van der Beek will get a start. But again, we'll dissect all this tomorrow. So join us tomorrow for uh, um, we'll have an interactive match preview. Just one comment. I just want to bring it back to the charity game. Um, talk myself up a little bit because obviously didn't talk about my performance. But a mad saying, Mr. Simpson, uh, Simpson, if you're still in the chat, can we just tell you what a fine man? Um, not a half bad footballer you've raised in Tom. And um, just the Zidane quote, I'm mad saying here, give me 10 planks of wood and one Tom and we beat Watford 5-0. Larry, I didn't get on the score sheet, but um, as my sort of pro clubs um, pro on FIFA, on FIFA 22, Bob Bruno, um, I did manage three assists. So ultimately I did prove the difference. Did, oh, did you get three assists? Didn't even notice. But like, I'm going to I'm gonna say about you, Tom, what I said about, what, what Solskjaer said about Pogba. 
did did you just were, were they simple layoffs or was it a brilliant ball like what Pogba did for Mason Greenwood to score the goal against Leeds? Unfortunately, no one. Well, someone did record the game. No one in the in this chat. Thirty-one people here. I don't think a single one of them is going to bother to go dig that video out. So I'm going to sit here. I'm going to say they're all layoff passes, uninspiring assists, and it'll just be one for the record books. Well, not even in the record books because it was a friendly. So there you go. Well, anyone in the live chat, um, please um, let us know if you think Larry is telling a few porky pies there because I think my second assist was absolutely brilliant. But enough about me. It was very good to get out there. The link is still in the description. Um, if you want to donate, all the money raised does go to the food bank here in Sydney and Canberra. It was for a very good cause. Watford were great. The game was played in good spirits. I say 5-4 it was end-to-end on another day they could have won. But it was great to get sort of as many Man United fans from Sydney down there with the red shirt on. And um, put the body on the line. It, it was a battle, which was great to see. And ultimately, a game in December, we we're thinking it was going to be 45 degrees, um, was a nice 19 or 20 degrees. So it was very comfortable conditions. Um, obviously, we are paying the price for it at the moment in regards to how our bodies have um, not recovered yet. But um, yeah, definitely, we'll maybe looking at maybe doing a game in January, February. If you weren't involved and do want to, just send us a message, and um, I can let you know how you can get involved because they are good fun. But um, Ian here, hi guys, hope you're well. I'm um, obviously at the end of the show, so don't mind going back and watching the show. It was a good one. So everyone in the live chat, we do truly appreciate you joining us and getting involved. Um, as I say, when we see chats like this and it's all positive and sort of constructive type thing, um, it's far better than some of the bigger channels we do see and they're saying this player needs to be sold straight away because this, um, this player had a good performance type thing. I think the chat in here has been very level-headed. Um, we truly appreciate that, Larry. Um, beautiful shirt, mate. I've looked looking at that all, all um, episode. Um, a classic yeah it is um my aig's just gone off the shirt <laughs> 1983 charity uh so it's uh got the charity shield print on there yeah belting kit um I, look I, I love the i love the older kits um I, I love this year's kit simply because it's not one that you see and it is one from yesteryear that they've actually tried to impersonate but yeah i don't know i'm not I'm not too fond of football kits nowadays. I mean, look, United do put out a good shirt every now and then, but like if I think to last year's kit, I thought it was disgraceful, right? So just got to take the good ones when they come along. But look, I think United, if you actually look at their kits from 1980 through to 2000, maybe 2001 or so, there's some belting kits in there, home and away. So yeah, get on there, get find your retro kits, I'd say. Well, definitely. Actually, one of the members of the supporters club, a member of our pro clubs team, did get us a few kits, and I was obviously shared them out yesterday at the game. And um, my favourite kit I'll wear tomorrow um, on the stream. Remind me, Larry, um, the '95 um, kit, obviously with Old Trafford in the background. Uh, obviously, my favourite United kit growing up. So that'll be worn tomorrow for obviously our Champions League preview um, against Young Boys. We'll do that tomorrow, and that'll be fascinating to see how does Ronaldo play. Does um, does a complete rotation? But we'll dissect all that tomorrow. So, again, thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. Um, if you are new, please subscribe. That would be great. Um, just ticked over 300 subscribers the other day, which is fantastic. And, um, Larry, have a good night, and we'll chat to you tomorrow. Pleasure, mate. Catch you then. Bye.